The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. The slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Would you guys pray with me real quick? Heavenly Father, we pray that you speak as we encounter you in your word, as we see uh, what you've done for us and the life you have for us, Lord. Uh, we pray for the boldness to seek that out uh, and to walk with you. We say this all in our son's precious name. Amen. Well, again, good morning. Um, I have only received one item within my inheritance. Uh, most of my grandparents are still alive, thank God. Uh, but as you, can, as you will, don't know, but I don't have it with me. And there's a reason why I don't have this uh, item with me, because I didn't have it for very long. My full name is Joshua McHenry Miller. McHenry comes from my grandmother's maiden name. And when my grandma and grandpa got married, my grandfather received a watch. And this is a beautiful sterling silver watch, handcrafted. And with it, it has the McHenry logo, our family crest, and the name. And my great-great-grandfather gave it to my grandfather when he got married. And during my confirmation, my grandma decided that I was going to get it. And she said, this is part of your inheritance of this beautiful sterling silver watch. And I was very excited. It looked really cool. I'm like, yeah. So we did confirmation. And at my home congregation, confirmation, uh, we'd have 50, 60, 70 people. And so it was its own separate service. And they would have us line up in front of the congregation for a good 45 minutes. And we just stood there. And this was one of those watches, like a pocket watch, that had the really long um, attachment to it. So I'm up there, and I have a tendency when I'm just standing around to do things with my hands that I don't realize what I'm doing. And so I'm up there, and I'm just kind of staring and looking around, and all of a sudden, I see my grandma, and she is staring daggers at me. And I mean, just absolute, like, I'm going to murder you in front of the entire church staring at me. And I don't, I can't figure out what's going on. Well, I finally get done, and she beelines for me, and she snags the watch out of my hand because what I had been doing, not realizing it, was I had taken the pocket watch, and I was twirling it around. And so my grandma's just seeing this precious memento that she's given me, and she literally, she takes it from me. She goes, it's still your inheritance, but until you're old enough to understand what this is, you're not getting it back. That was 20 years ago, and I still have not received the watch, right? An inheritance is something precious. It's meant to be something that we care for, that we steward, that ideally we leave better than when we found it, right? And that's what we're talking about today because Scripture, as it talks about the church and it talks about what our role is in society and how the plans God has for us, he calls us heirs, right? And we read this in Galatians. Uh, let's see, on, off, maybe. Uh, I might need some help. Thank you. Think of it this way, Galatians says. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. 
We were like children who were slaves to the basic principles of the world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are a child, God has also made you his heir. Scripture talks about how originally we had the world. God created it to be good, and then we kind of mucked it up. Sin came in, and all of a sudden, we didn't know how to steward our inheritance very well. And we still see that in the world today, right? We still see the sin, the brokenness. You throw on any news channel, and it's very apparent, wow, this is a broken world. And that brokenness comes from our sin, it comes from our selfishness, it comes from our own worst thinking getting the best of us. And all of a sudden, we're fighting with one another. And country fights against country, family fights against family. And so what Galatians is telling us was God realized we were too broken to take care of his creation. We would only destroy it. And it was our inheritance. God wanted us to have it, but we needed to have it with the right mindset. And so the Old Testament is about how God sends down the law, which essentially is what they, it talks about that it's a steward, right? We're children, everything is ours, and yet in some ways we're like slaves because we don't have ownership of it. We're not in control of it yet because of sin. And then Christ shows up and he says, you no longer have to act as slaves in your own country, in your own world. Because I have come to redeem you. I have come to start putting it back together. And I have come to help you receive your inheritance. And as we talk through this series of Unleashed, what we're talking about is what is the role of church? Why do we do it? Why do we gather together? Why do we go and serve at places like Baghdad Elementary School or have... Uh, acts of love where we take care of moms and their babies. The reason, at least in part, is because the world is our inheritance. All of it. We see this in Genesis of what our original inheritance was supposed to be. Then God blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry around the ground. Then Jesus said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food, and I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the small animals that scurry around the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. He says, I'm giving you the world. Originally, the original plan, plan A, was for mankind to nurture and to take care of what God had created. He said, I've made this massive playground for you with lakes and rivers and mountains and animals and families and communities. And he says, and I want you to take care of it. I want to teach you the family business. We talked about this last week, right? How God, his business is making things better. And we as his children, he says, I want to teach you how to do that. I want to teach you how to love. I want to teach you how to cherish this world. Then, like we talked about, sin came in and mucked it all up, but Jesus comes back and he says, but now we're back to plan A. 
says, I want to give you back the world. And that's not a light thing, is it, Christians? I mean, we see this in um, uh, Romans. But we're co-owners of the future, co-heirs of the future. For those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. And the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption at, to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Scripture says, no, no, the world is yours. Which is awesome. But we still have this sin thing inside of us. And as it comes with any inheritance, in fact, all of us have met people who have completely ruined their inheritance, right? Where they either receive a large amount of money, or a large lot of land, or a company, and due to their own selfish inklings, we turn it inward on ourselves. We hoard it, and we say, no, this is mine now. Because that's what sin does. It cuts off everyone else. It cuts off community. It cuts off life from us. And yet what we see in Scripture is God saying, look, I didn't create you for isolation. I did not create this world so you could just divvy it all up and have your own little fiefdoms. No, he created it for us to be able to share it. Again, that goes against our sinful nature, but the cool thing is we don't have to be slaves to that sinful nature anymore. Because of the work of Christ, because of him conquering death, raising back to life, he says, now I'm going to show you what real life looks like. I'm going to show you how to share what I have given you, this beautiful world with parks, with animals, with families. So I don't want you to have to be by yourself. I didn't create you to be by yourself. I created you to share this wonderful and beautiful world together. Right? And so we are co-owners of the future. A few weeks ago, Leon was preaching, and he said, whenever you hear the kingdom of God, he goes, in a way, you could just translate that the future that God is bringing. And what we find in Scripture is God says, you are co-owners of that future. This is your inheritance, he says, and I want to show you how to share that inheritance. But we're not just owners of it, no. We also have authority over it. Jesus says in Matthew, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. All authority. That's a big word. And we don't think about that as the church very often. In fact, if you were to listen to modern society, the church is getting marginalized, right? We're losing power. We're losing authority. And yet what Jesus says is, no, God gave me everything. Jesus, the one who in the middle of the storm stood up in the boat and said, be still. And the weather was still. Jesus, the one who encountered people who were sick, who had leprosy, who were dead, and said, be healed. 
who said, walk, said, rise up. And the lame walked, the lepers were cured, and the dead were raised again. We have a God who has all authority on heaven and on earth. And he says, and now you're a part of what I'm doing. Part of our inheritance is that authority. But again, our sinful nature can come in, and it can distort it. And we can say, we're going to use that authority to dominate to control, to try to force people to get into what we believe they should be doing. And yet what we see in Scripture is that that's not how Jesus shared his power or used his power. One of my favorite stories is his disciples come to him, and some of his key followers ask Jesus a question. They say, we want to ask you something, and we want the yes before we ask Right? So they don't even give him like a solution. And this is like, this is bold. In some ways, you got to respect it. It's like, I want you to say yes to a question that you don't even know yet. And Jesus is like, okay, yeah, this is going to be great. And essentially, the question is, can you make us the two most important people in your kingdom, in your future? Can we have the power, the authority? And Jesus' response is, guys, the power structure doesn't work the way you think. Because the Son of Man, the Messiah, the hero of the story, Scripture says, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What we find in Scripture is a God who shows up, and he says, I have all authority, and I am going to use that authority to serve and to love and to change the world in ways you have never dreamed possible. Because yes, we have the authority, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a God who says, the whole world is mine, and I want to show you how to shepherd it and care for it. He goes, don't do it the way the world is going to try to pressure you to. Don't use the world's tools. You don't have to dominate. You don't have to ridicule. I want to show you how to nurture this world, to bring the best out of this world. And as Christians, that's what we get to do with our inheritance. When we encounter people... God says, I want to teach you how to bring out the best in them. When you encounter a community, he says, I want to teach you by living in this community to bring out the best in this community. That's what we're doing with Baghdad Elementary School. We believe God is already working at that school, but as partners, we want to go in and we want to find ways to bring out the best in the teachers. We want to find ways to bring out the best in the students because we believe that they are part of our inheritance part of what God is doing, and he has given to the church, and he says, I want to show you how to really care for and nurture this beautiful world that I've created. And yeah, sin still exists, and there's brokenness, and there's going to be times where we're going to have to mourn. And yet, Scripture says, you do not mourn like those who have no hope. No, our hope is in that all authority on heaven and earth, this side of death and the next side of death, God has. And he has a plan for both sides of it. And so we're following him in that as a church. Which then kind of leads us to the last part of our inheritance. That we have a responsibility and privilege to take care of it. To realize that as we go forward together, if God has given us this task, this calling, it's a privilege, but it's also a responsibility to live differently to rely on Christ's power, not to live out of our selfishness and our brokenness. 
What I love is this section of Scripture from Colossians. It says, You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, and patience with each other, and forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. You're going to live differently. You're going to put on this new identity as children of God, made in the image of a beautiful creator. He says, and you're going to forgive one another because we're going to get hurt doing this. We're going to go out into a broken world with broken people, just like the people in this church. And there are going to be times we're going to have to turn the other cheek. There are going to be times where people are going to intentionally harm us. And yet in that, what Jesus says is forgive as God forgave you because we, at one point in our lives, in fact, in future points in our lives, often are the ones who aren't bringing out the best in people but are trying to tear them down. Our own sin still gets the best of us and we have a God who forgives us even in that. And he says, and as I have forgiven you, now pay that forgiveness, that love, that humility, that compassion forward. Bring the best out of a broken world. But the last part of this responsibility is realizing that while we have a role to play, our job is not to fix the whole world. Sometimes it's easy to get overwhelmed by how much brokenness there is, how much sickness there is, how much isolation there is, and we can think, God, this is too big for me. And you know what? It is. As Christians, God does not say, this is your inheritance and you have to fix all of it. No, that's his job. God always does the heavy lifting. But we do get our own small little patch of grass to work on, to bring the best out of. And that's all he asks us. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Not every neighbor, not every person on the planet, your neighbor as yourself. The people I bring into your life, that's your responsibility, but not everyone else. And even the people he brings into our lives, he's not saying, you have to fix all of it. I had a youth pastor growing up, and I am not a guy who uh, would be considered hyper-spiritual. Right? So I, I've never heard an audible word from God. I don't see visions. Uh, I haven't had any dreams that really meant any significance. And yet, I believe God does it. It's just not my personal experience, right? But he was talking about a dream he had had once. And he was, it was one of the most vivid moments of my life. And in the dream, he was a little child. And he was working on, in a forest in this little patch. And as a child, he had one of those little garden spades. You know what I'm talking about? Like the six-inch spades. And he knew that God didn't want the forest to be there anymore. He wanted to put in a garden. And so he's working in his little patch. And he's trying to take up this tree. And it's going slowly. The tree isn't huge. Right? But he's working on it, but he starts to get frustrated because it's not happening fast enough. And then all of a sudden, he hears something, and he described it as Paul Bunyan Jesus. 
right, comes troping through this uh, forest, 20 foot high, and he's got this massive axe, and he is just cutting down trees left and right, right? And so Jesus comes swooping through, knocking down all these trees, this garden starting to flourish all around him, and here my youth pastor Byron is with his little garden spade, and he looks up, and he's like, wow, one of us is really fast at this. One of us is really slow. And he says, Jesus looks down at him, and he says, you're doing exactly what I need you to. Good job. Keep gardening. And then Jesus goes through and keeps plowing through everything. And he goes, it was this moment where he realized that God didn't want him to clear the entire forest. That God just wanted him to participate in what he was doing with whatever little he could bring. And God was going to do the heavy lifting. That God was going to do something with his inheritance so much larger than what he could ever imagine. And yet, God still wanted him to be a part of it. Church, hear this clearly. God wants you to be a part of it. He has a role for you. He has a plan for you, and it's not to fix the whole world. That's too big of a job for any one of us or even us as a local church. And yet what we find in Scripture is a God who is that Paul Bunyan Jesus who is able to come through and knock down everything in his way. And he says, and I want you to be able to take part of this. He goes, you're my family now. You are children of God, and I want to show you how to live out that identity. I want to show you what you own, and I want to teach you how to share it. He says, I've been given all authority on heaven and on earth, and I'm going to share that with you too, but not to dominate, not to subdue, but to nurture and to bring the very best out of it. He says, and you have a privilege and honor to be able to do this with me, but you're not doing it alone not all on you. It's bigger than that. It's more beautiful than that. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you humbled of a God who has given us so much, who Scripture teaches us has given us the world, because we don't deserve the world. (laughs) Our own choices, our own past, our own mistakes, our own sin— Lord, it should divide us from you, and yet what we find is, no, you call us into community. You forgive us. You invite us into relationship with you and into a relationship with each other. Lord, we pray that we're able to live out of that. Lord, and to pay that love and that forgiveness and that transformation forward. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.